Hey everyone. So I just realized that it's, it's pretty damn stupid that I didn't introduce myself yet. <laughs> so here we go. First off, obviously, the name, the sound that represents who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't really get why I didn't introduce myself properly in previous episodes. I mean, if I had to really think about it, it's just that I sort of wanted, a part of me wanted to detach myself a bit from the podcast because it's not something that should be personal. It should be that this, sure, this is a way of looking at life and it is technically my way of looking at life and it doesn't have any weight besides that, right? It's just one guy's opinion about how things are and it could be wrong and it could be right and who, who knows? Like I said, no one knows anything and everyone's just trying to do their best. But people do care. People do care about these things. People do care about having a personal connection with something and feeling like they're a part of something bigger. And that's what—that's definitely what this is. This is about us as a society, as a people, trying to see things for what they are, yes, and definitely also what they could be. Just like any visionary would, any, any person who's ever done any type of change in this world for the better, they saw the world not as it is, but for what it ought to be. And they did that by being a symbol or standing upright and saying, this is me, right? And this is how I see the world. And I'm, I'm Khalid Yassin. I'm originally Palestinian. My parents are from Jerusalem. I was born in Saudi Arabia and I grew up in Dubai and Jordan and Amman. So I left Dubai when I was nine or ten, and I lived in Amman till I was nineteen. And now that that cultural shift was a bit of a shock to me as a kid because I didn't understand social norms at the time, and going from one place to the other and expecting people to still act the same way. Because anyone who knows, they know they know that Dubai and Jordan, especially back in two thousand five, were very different. And going into a new society and a new form of being or communicating with your with everyone around you, as a kid, I, I didn't adapt quickly enough. And I, I just generally had a, a more or less, in my perspective, not that great of a time in school until I graduated. So it carried on from grade four onwards until I graduated. And to be honest, I've always, always hated school. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I hated it back in Dubai because I I was actually the top of my class and I was great at sports and all the subjects I was taking were in English. And when I went to Jordan, it was a shift into a more Arabic culture. and I wasn't quick to adapt, like I said. So I grew up in Jordan. And during that time, I, I just looked at school and authority and and how we were told to do things in certain ways and we we're being taught things in certain ways by professors who saw things in a certain way and I, I just it all felt inherently wrong for me right and I never really followed the rules I re rebelled a lot more than I conformed you know if I if I was in a group and the group would suddenly turn on me in a certain way for me acting in a regard I'd reinforce that way rather than minimize it I'd put I'd back it up more and maximize it right so I used to ask the dumbest questions in school, right? Because I remember a teacher came into class 
and she got a globe with her and she was like 70 she was really old and she's teaching nine-year-olds or i was 10 at the time she was teaching 10 year olds and you don't put someone so old with very very slow energy with people with small kids who have very very high energy right that are really at it and ready to go you know and like i said children we learn through play inherently we try to interact with things and and that's how we learn. And she came in with the globe. And that was a good good thing that she tried to show us exactly you know, how the earth looked like. And she started spinning it to show us how, how it actually turned around. And trying to show us the concept by actually showing us the earth, right? Good for her. But what she did was she came in and she started, you know, spinning the earth really quickly. And she was like, this is how fast the earth is moving. Like, it's so, so fast. And I look at her and I ask, okay, but, you know, we have 24 hours in a day. And if the world is moving this fast, like she was spinning it like crazy. And I just asked her, like, if it was actually spinning this fast, then wouldn't, you know, the sun come and go a lot faster too? So how does how does this make sense? And she, she didn't know how to answer. She just looked at me and she's like, yeah, but the earth is really fast. Yo, woman, you don't get it. Okay, the earth is fast. I get that now. You know, the earth is... <laughs> moving at I don't know how many kilometers thousands and thousands of kilometers a second and it's pretty fast but relatively to its size and to us it's fast to us but for it it's really slow right and it takes its time it's not doing its massive 360 spins in two seconds or less even so I would ask these types of questions because it didn't fit the image of of the reality I saw was around me and I always got negative negative feedback out of that I always got negative negativity out of that no one actually you know at some point I remember I would be asking questions in class and the teacher would literally tell me Khalid I don't want to answer your questions right now okay a teacher telling a student that wants to learn they don't want to answer your questions and why is that it's because you switch or you turn us away from the topic at hand a lot you know you take us off course and I'm telling you dude if I want to understand what you're trying to explain to me I have to understand this other thing that you might not see it as something relatable to it but it is actually it is actually related to it and that's why I need to understand it and that's why it should complete the picture in my head you know everything has to fit in a certain way in the entire framework of what you think but the issue we have with that form of thought is that we always try to build and fit things in an image that might already be false or that frame that you have in your head might be built on improper systems, which all our systems are already built on. Like I said, we're built on a reptilian brain and a mammalian brain and then comes the human brain. And since we're always building on those systems, we have to have a frame that's actually flexible enough and adaptable enough to always completely be able to shift course when you realize that an essential piece that didn't fit is actually integral and it should be fitting. So you have to reassess your entire frame. And that's not something a lot of people are okay with, to let go of old beliefs, to embrace something new, because it's flimsy, right? You are you have this infrastructure that you're standing on, you're relying on. It's the structure you base your entire being on, moving in this world where everyone is so confused and no one knows shit, to try to feel like you at least know enough to get out of bed and do what it is you do day by day. And I get that. It's important to believe that there's something out there. We're people, we're humans that need to find explanations. We need to find answers. We need to know inherently. 
and it's not something I blame, and it's something I hated the school system for killing in so many, so many of us. Because I remember the transition from how I used to ask these questions as a kid, and how when we grew up and went into tenth and eleventh grade, uh, right before graduation, and how people reacted to my questions then. And when I raised my hand and I wanted to actually debate or ask something, the entire class would just stop and say, "Khalid, shut up! Don't ask that. You know, you stop being so philosophical. Stop trying to ask these questions." And anyone in my class listening to this right now would know. And maybe I was actually annoying a lot of the time. I was a kid at the time, and I just wanted to either place myself within the society I was in, trying to find my place, trying to fit in, trying to figure out who I am, because I had absolutely no idea. I'm still trying to figure out who I am, and we were always trying to figure out who we are. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, I, I didn't like school at all, and I realized I realized right now that. At the time, I really had a lot of hate and anger in me for the situation that I had to go through, how these older people are trying to dictate what I have to do. And I really didn't think how, even though they were older, it didn't mean that they had a stronger authority over who I was or who I am or how I thought. And what I mean by this, I remember when I was about six, my uncle, I might have seen him twice before then, so I didn't know he was my uncle. And um, God rest his soul, he came, he came over. And I was just treating him like I would treat anyone, really. And my mom looks at me and she tells me, Khalid, this is your uncle. He's older than you. You should respect him. And I look at her and I, I ask her, like, I didn't make the connection. Why should I just respect someone? Because they're older than me. They're older than I am. Right? I mean, it doesn't take much to get old. <laughs> you know, we're all going to get old. It doesn't take effort to like physically age as long as you eat and sleep and you don't die you're good you know you'll you'll get there someday but that doesn't prove anything about you inherently your character what it is it doesn't mean that i as a person should respect you but now my concept of respect is very different it's not about the other person i respect everyone not for them but for myself because i respect myself and we're all humans and we're all in this shithole together and no one knows shit so we might as well be nice to each other so yeah, my mom told me, he's older than you. I asked her, okay, why should I respect him just because he's older than me? And she didn't know She didn't know what to answer. And I don't blame her. I wouldn't know what to answer either. And, you know, I was just like, okay. <laughs> I just tried to treat him differently. I didn't know how to treat him. But anyways, that's besides the point. It's just that we, we look at people who are older right now and we think that just because you physically grew, it doesn't mean you mentally grew at all. And I... Take this example, so it's so true because when you look at, when you take kids in Somalia, for example, kids that were taken from their homes when they were eight and nine, given a gun, and they're told at that age that this is how the world is, this is how things are done, we need to go and shoot these people. And they grow into that, right? And now they're 20 and 30, and they base their systems and their framework, their belief on that thing that they were taught as children, right? And it's hard to break away from that pre-existing system because it's worked for you for so long. Even though it, not, it might not be the best situation, it's not what ought to be, it is what it is. And for you, you think that's the safe space that you should reside in or, or stay in, yeah. Uh, and then we, we blame them, you know, we take them, sure, they're, they're adults and they could make their conscious decisions but they, they grew physically into this they were molded into this and they grew into this and we 
we we blame them for it when they're 20 and 30 and we prosecute them as if they're at fault because we have to blame someone but in reality we really don't have to blame anyone the reality of situation is none of them are really at fault they're all just lost in this cycle that they really can't get out of you know that was started so long ago but this is what karma is right there's a lot of negativity in this world and it's all going to pass through you or through someone else but what differentiates you from anyone else is how you deal with that energy once it once you receive it right so am i going to take that negative energy and multiply it and continue that cycle and give it back or am i going to take that energy breathe neutralize it and end it there and possibly give something good in return. But sadly, we we fight fire with fire and we want to hurt. Because we feel hurt. And if we feel hurt, then the other person deserves to be hurt too. But that changes nothing if I hurt anyone besides myself. It really doesn't. Hate is... Swallowing poison and expecting the other person to get hurt. We have so much hate inside of us. So much anger for not living life that we feel like we deserve to live. And for what reason? We all, we all have the things that we want. At least we all think we have an idea of what makes us happy. And it's sad, like, in the school system, I remember I, I graduated when I was in Dubai, I graduated from kindergarten, KG2. And, you know, they create this type of celebration. I had no clue what the fuck was going on <laughs> as a kid. I was always really confused. I always looked at these things and I just, I didn't understand why these things were happening, right? So we graduated and they gave us these certificates and, like, we celebrated and we had this... Um, on stage, they got each and every one of us when we received our diplomas at kindergarten, right? <laughs> Funny how society is always giving you this sense of progression as if you're reaching something, right? You're never reaching anything. It's just in your head and society's head. I'll get into that. So I remember before that celebration, we all had to write down what we wanted to do when we grew up, right? And I remember then I saw, they showed us pictures. They showed us pictures of engineers, pictures of scientists, pictures of artists, pictures of... And I looked at the scientist and I was just like so fascinated. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to be a scientist when I grow up or an astronaut. And then I remember going to a group of my friends and I told them, guys, 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 I want to be a scientist when I grow up. And they all looked at me and they're like, no man, being a scientist is stupid. I want to be an engineer like my dad. <laughs> And I, I remember I actually went ahead and I changed what I chose. And I chose to be an engineer instead of a scientist because I, I followed the group rather than following what I knew I wanted and what I truly wanted. But thank God that didn't matter. You know, I was just in kindergarten and I learned a valuable lesson out of it. We do base what we want on a lot of things that really don't matter, on money, on society and what they expect of us, on our parents, on the responsibilities that we have sometimes you just have a fuck ton of responsibilities you have children to take care of and you're stuck in a job because you, you can't let these children starve uh, that's that's a tough one man but i if i wanted to look at what i i really wanted or if, what society what any of us actually wanted 
what I what I would ask a very simple question. What is something you absolutely enjoy doing? Absolutely enjoy doing, that's it. And I mean, having have lived our lives, maybe we haven't experienced a lot, right? And I think just experiencing a lot of different things and experiencing them properly, because usually the first time you ever do anything, you're a bit nervous or anxious and you don't get the full experience of what this thing is, right? And that's very limiting. This is why you have to have a beginner's mindset with everything you go into and learning how to learn is so damn important, right? We start school without ever knowing how we should ever study or learn anything. How inefficient of a system is that? <laughs> you just give us information and expect us to chew it out and spit it back. And Man, uh, just such a stupid system put into place by people who want to standardize the quality of the people being pumped out of the society. And it's just trying to... <laughs> instill certain beliefs and ideologies and all of them to turn them out and to towards a certain mean or average of a person that they'd like to have right sure people deviate you know i deviated a lot from the school and society i was in a lot of people conform to it and become a lot like it and exactly what the system wants them to be and that's sad because i can't blame them and it's very hard for them to change their own wiring and it's very hard to even accept that they're living on that wiring or that certain set of frame of beliefs that they've been grown up on it's very hard to let that go so yeah we are living in a society that's pumping us out to try to be in a certain way and that's something i find you know absolutely terrifying because the potential any one of us has if we individually actually did exactly what we loved doing and put 127.3 percent of ourselves into that thing and just that thing, then everyone would be so better off because we're all actually doing what we love. Where money isn't an object, where wallowing and consuming and, and materialistic things isn't necessary to be happy. Money isn't everything. So let's say I gave you a million dollars right now, or a billion even. So money was never an object. I gave you a million dollars right now. But I told you, you still have to work. You still have to find a job. What would you do then? Actually ask yourself that. Actually answer it. I'm not talking to myself, I'm talking to you. What is it you truly love doing and would do every day? And it doesn't matter if you were good at it now. At least if you start, you'll get better at it because you have that love and passion for it, motivation, intrinsic an intrinsic why that pushes you through anything that might happen that would try it and stop you. And there's so many things that are going to come in the way and try and stop you for sure. But the fact that you're so in it, the fact that you love it so damn much, you're going to be a force, a driven force that nothing can stop. And that's what every one of us should be. And that's what the school system should drive us to be. Actually teach us how to learn which is something I will definitely get into. I actually try to, like, this is what I love about Japan. Japan, children in Japan don't take exams up until the fourth grade, up until they're like 11, where they're just taught how to be human beings up until that point, how to be disciplined, how to learn, how to practice, how to clean, how to 
<laughs> how to just be as beings, man. And that's so important. You need to teach. You need to have a proper foundation to build knowledge upon. You can't just throw information at children and expect them to be their best when everyone is so different. I look at, I look at the people I had back in my school, and I think most of the students back in my school, my previous classmates, I think they were all exquisitely brilliant, and I was really privileged to be around such smart people, honestly. We were all still figuring out who we are and who we were, and that's fine. But the thing is, is that every single one of us right now, we used to compete on who got the highest score here, or who who did the best thing there, and we used to fight, I want to answer this question first, or whatever it was, man. Every single one of these students, every single one of my previous classmates is somewhere completely different in their lives right now. And we graduated, what, three, four years ago? And every single one of them is doing something different somewhere else with some other people. You're While you're in that system, while you're in a certain place, you think that this is this is certainly the norm for you right now because this is what your current surroundings are surrounding you literally every day and that's what your short-term memory perceives and that's what you see as norm but then time will move on and things will definitely change and the people you're around will change and you will somewhat more or less change your path hopefully towards what you inherently want to do rather than what society is throwing on you so for me so I'm currently fluent in four languages, so Arabic, English, German, and Spanish. I definitely need to work on my Spanish, though. So I, after I graduated I, in Jordan, I went to the German Jordanian University. And I'm in Madaba, close to the capital city in Amman. So I started, I actually, <laughs> I had a pretty high, um, I'll say, GPA after I graduated from school. So I basically had the pick of whatever subject I wanted to choose in uni. The first option I chose was chemical engineering. And that's the option I got. Now, I have mentioned this before. I absolutely love chemistry. I adore it. And back in school, they did actually teach us that properly. And I had some pretty brilliant teachers in school as we grew, grew up. As we got older, they had definitely better teachers come in and take the reins. But it's more important, I think, to have better teachers teach children rather than adults, to build the foundation of actually loving to learn. Because that's what we intrinsically are meant to do and love doing, always learning. And we kill that so fast. But I'm so lucky to have had, you know, some teachers that I, I, I'll appreciate till the day I die, definitely. I'll never forget them and the things that they've taught me. And I'm sure other classmates of mine, if they're listening to this, they'd understand what I'm talking about. We're we were privileged back in school. We had some very wonderful people. And not a lot of people get to say that. I'm positive. Sure, there were bad teachers. Um, I wouldn't say intrinsically bad. I think teaching is such an honorable job. Uh, it's such a wonderful thing to do, to see people that you nourished and watered grow into beautiful beings. And there were just actually people. Sure, they were older, 30 or 40, but they were just trying their best. And their best might, have, might not have been the best the greatest, but they were trying and they really did try hard because it is a big responsibility having so many children in your hands. And when I started university, when I when I went in chemical engineering and I loved chemistry, back in school we did a lot of experiments and we our chemistry teacher was pretty cool. So I, it was pretty hands-on and like I liked that, putting things together and creating something completely different, seeing how things bond and how that energy affects how they bond together and whether something bonds 
then energy is needed and then that bond breaks and then energy is released and what can bond with what based on the electrons and atoms. It's such an interesting thing because everything is made of of these elements, right? And you're playing with them, the very fabric of what this universe is. I went into this and it was like the Breaking Bad era, right? And, you know, I kept making this joke like, yeah, I can, I can make DMT and shit. <laughs> yeah, that never happened. After a year of studying there, I got pretty depressed. I actually went into full throttle depression. And one of the reasons that that was that was the case is because I was going there every day. I needed I needed an hour and a half to get there uh, in the morning and an hour and a half to get back. And it was always such a hassle to go back and forth from uni. That's three hours a day where you're camped in a bus and you can't really do shit. I read a lot, but besides that, you you really you're trapped. And at uni, I wasn't learning much. You know, I could I could read three books on a topic in two weeks and learn much more than what this teacher could teach me in a semester. Uh, their English was pretty horrible and their attitude towards teaching was pretty horrible. It was just people coming in to take some money and leave. You know, it's what they didn't have any passion for it. They did it for the cash. So they're making money. And this is what a lot of people do with their jobs. You, you make money to continue supporting a lifestyle where you can only survive basically and buy your the things that you need so that you can continue going to something to do what you don't love to make money to continue doing something you don't love right so you're stuck in this really vicious cycle to continue doing things you really don't love just to maintain that right and who's benefiting it then definitely not you you know i think it's much more worth it to do something you absolutely love to have lived a short life doing something you've absolutely adored rather than a long life doing something you you don't love which is such a waste really you know because it's your life you only have this one life you know put your ego aside and all of it sure uh you're gonna go back into what everything is technically uh, <laughs> that's a tough one to get into i'll get uh, i get into that a lot more later where I th what I think happens after we die, which are, you know, I, something you'd never actually know the answer to. But inherently putting your ego aside, you're, you have this one life, and it's a shame if you don't at least try to do what you love, or at least go for your dream. Because like I said, the time will pass. No matter what you do, time will pass. You will grow older. Whether you do whatever you want to do or not. But the only difference is that Either your dream comes to fruition and is manifested in this reality, in this world, or the time passes regardless. So a lot of people have these really ambitious and very beautiful dreams that I've heard, but they might require commitment for maybe 10 years, right? But if they did go for their dreams and did actually try to achieve this, they'd be so intrinsically happy and fulfilled, I can't even describe it. But then they tell you, it's not worth the, the time. I, I can't put 10 years into this. It's going to take a long time. Sure, it's going to take a long time, but right, you know, I I think back a lot to my childhood. And it's funny how there's moments in your childhood where, for example, you, you fall and you scrape your knee and you get hurt. And at that moment, there's nothing else that exists beside that moment, right? And you feel like, shit, this hurts and this is horrible. <laughs> and you have so much focus on that moment in your life. A painful moment 
that you don't think that there's a tomorrow. You don't think that there's anything after that. And as a kid, I didn't really, you know, I, I always had a concept of, of the future. I told my parents to start uh, saving money for me when I was five, but they never did. But yeah, uh, we look at the memories as, as we were kids. And like we, when we were kids and we thought about the future, we didn't think we would ever be here right now, wherever we are, you know. Uh, each one of us is in a different place entirely. We're all, everyone is such an individual being that's so different from everything else. And at some point, the they become memories when you just thought that this is this is all there is, and all there is right now with you is someday, hopefully, gonna become a memory. I say hopefully because I don't want you to die anytime soon. So you're going to hopefully. Live till you're 80. Let's assume the best case scenario. Best case scenario is that they create a life prolonging substance that you can you can inject and then you don't age anymore, right? But we wouldn't have access to that at all and we wouldn't even know that it existed for the longest time because it's just going to be in the hands of very, very select few. But yeah, best case scenario, we live till we're 80. Let's assume that first and then think about everything else. Is that someday, even even though, okay, I'm 22 right now and my dream is going to take me 10 years, then by the time I'm 32, I'm going to be living the life that I've always wanted to live. And even if it didn't take me 10, it took me 15 or 20. By the time I'm 40, I'm going to be living the life that I want. But if I don't go for what I want right now, then I'm going to be 40 and I'm going to be absolutely fucking miserable. And I'm, I'm if I assume the best case scenario, I will be 40 at some point, as long as I don't die at some point, you know? And who knows, I might. I have no idea. And <laughs> it's just that. It's your decision. Do you want to be 80 and look back, back at your life and be really happy and fulfilled for having lived on your terms by doing what you love and not thinking happiness lies in material things that you need to consume constantly and uh, Facebook posts and feeds and Instagram likes and all of that? Or <laughs> being 80 and then looking back at your life and thinking, fuck... <laughs> I fucked up and I can't do anything about it. It's done, it's over. You know, it's my life is almost done and I'm too tired. To, uh, like yesterday, yesterday I was, uh, it was Halloween. I was dressed as an emo actually. <laughs> I I had my hair straight and then I wore black nail polish and had piercings everywhere. I looked hilarious. And I remember... I was like, it was 2.30 in the morning and I, I was still ready to keep going out, you know, still ready to continue the night and meet some other friends somewhere else. And all of a sudden my stomach, my like, my stomach started to hurt and I couldn't move just because my stomach hurt. I couldn't tilt myself backwards and forwards. Just this one part of my body was hurting me and I was almost completely immobilized. So of course when I'm old, you know, like and when everything hurts and of course, like uh, if I didn't live in a sustainable way that maintained my health until that point, then I might have, you know, God knows how many diseases or malfunctionings in my body. And this is why we should take care of ourselves now. Now. You know, we think, okay, I'll quit smoking later. This isn't the time or I'll start going to the gym later. There is no later, man. You're just here now. That's it. And the future, this is just a story that exists in your head that you need to throw away and really do what you need to do when you need to do it. That's it. But hey, when we're 80, you know, and we look back, 
this is how I think about it. Do I want to regret my life? Or do I want to actually be like, fuck yeah, you know, I, I live the life that I, on my terms, a life that I deserve, a life that I created myself by working hard on controlling the little things that I could control to control the bigger things that I otherwise couldn't, right? Because like I said, control is a step-by-step process that you have to go through. You control very, very small things until you can actually master the thing that you want to control. And this is why if you go into something that you absolutely love and you're completely passionate about, even if you're shit at it at the beginning, you wouldn't ma- it wouldn't matter to you that you're doing horribly. What would matter to you is that you're doing well and better than last time. And learning is such a process, and I'll really go into that. Learning is such an important process, and how you approach learning is so important. But at the end of the day, you'll keep getting better and better. Even if you weren't making money out of what you love, you'll just keep improving and improving and improving until you master it to a point where someone will pay you a large fee for it, right? And, you know, somebody is interested in everything. So there's no, there's no, there's no fear in that, no shortage, you know? But wasting your time to do something you don't love, to do something that isn't you and you inherently know it isn't you, and you do it just to continue being able to continue doing it, that's just absolutely stupid. Do something you love, you know, become a master, be with it, and then think about getting a good fear for whatever it is. But money at that point wouldn't be too important for you because you're doing something you love day by day. You're doing something that matters to you. And should help the world, you know. If we actually, and if we actually took the school system, and we looked at, we looked at every individual student, and tried to optimize exactly what that individual, what that spark in each and every one of us could potentially become. I can't even begin to imagine the potential humanity could reach. Really, that's just, oh my God. How much happier we'd all be, and how. And you look at children right now, and they're completely, you know, they, they can't act like children, and they can't let go and let loose like they need to. And they're exposed to social media on such an early age, and the negative side effects of social media on the brain is insane, almost permanent. And the fact that, you know, you need to be at least 18 to drink alcohol, you need to be 21 to in the US to drink, and you look at kids, and you look at social media, and it is really... You know, there's studies about this, about the negative effects that on your attention that social media does. And kids don't have the defenses that they need against these types of things. And they're spo- exposed to it at such an early age. And this is this is something that's going to affect them definitely a lot. And we're not aware of this right now because this is very recent. And maybe attention isn't something we truly need as a society right now because everything is so hectic and but it's not an efficient way to do things and the only great work that ever is able to be accomplished and the only great work that artists can accomplish and things that will actually change things these are things that came from absolute focus you know fire doesn't burn until it's brought to a single point if you bring a magnifying glass and you try to to point the sun towards just one point that's when something would burn Otherwise, the sun is just warm and, you know, it might be nice, but it's not strong and powerful and effective. It won't cause a fire. And what you want is to burn, right? (laughs) 
burn with passion, born really deep inside of you, but society sort of dampened that, and it's really up to each and every one of you to find out what it is you love, what it is that makes you burn. To go out there into the world and really explore, to join a class, man. Have your society and community within your class push you beyond what you could ever think about pushing yourself. And really, half of it is just showing up, even if you feel like it or not. You go to the class, whether you feel like it or not, you will learn something and you will be better than beforehand. And I'm not talking about university classes. I'm talking about if you're interested in, uh, I don't know, man, kickboxing. I think MMA, for example, is such a confidence building mechanism that you could go into or sport that you could go into. There's so many millions of things that could be interesting if you just try them. And you just have to look within your community to find them. And that might be hard for some communities, a lot more than others, but it's usually there. And it's up to you to find them, find the community that suits you. See what type of person you want to become, an idea of the future you that you'd like to be, and follow that. Find something you love and go for that. And as you can see, what I love doing more than a lot of things, what I love doing, if I really want to get down to it, if I really want to pinpoint what I as Khalid Yassin love, it's more than a thing, definitely. <laughs> but for the sake of this argument, it's to influence thought. Yeah. To influence thought in whatever way, be it with words, be it with the written word, be it spoken words, be it visually, be it whatever. I like to influence thought, and especially my own. For me, I'm the type of person that's also always, always psychoanalyzing everything that that could possibly be, right? I always have to understand why something is. And when you ask that question, you'll always go a step deeper. And then you'll ask, why else? And you'll find another answer. Because we always try to think that, okay, there's a limit or a bar. Just like when you ask your parents a question and they tell you, they tell you something like, because I said so. And that's the furthest limit of, of where your where your thinking can go. You know, this is why I take Elon Musk as an example for that. He, the thought experiment of trying to think from first base principles. Yeah, I remember I reading about how when he wanted to start SpaceX, he went and talked to almost every rocket expert in the industry. And he talked to them and they were all like, dude, you're an idiot if you want to open your own space program. And he was like, okay. He went ahead and he read a lot of books. He figured out how generally how rockets were built. He figured out how much material it costs to build a rocket and how much it actually costs to build the entire rocket, right? So material-wise, rockets were actually pretty cheap. And by the time, by the end of their production, they were like 10 times, 15 times more expensive. So he realized the fault isn't within the materials themselves. And the fault was actually within how the materials were arranged, the manufacturing stage. Right, So he looked at how rockets were being manufactured and it wasn't an efficient thing. It wasn't an efficient process. So he thought about it and just like Ford made cars affordable and uh, here available for everyone, Elon Musk thought, cool, I want to be able to make spaceships available to anyone. <laughs> I think that's such a brilliant way of thinking. And if you look at Elon, Elon Musk, he's just, he's such an... His kid is so alive inside of him, and at the same time, it's coupled by just being so intelligent. 
that it's just insane. Like he's such a kid and he just wants to have fun and it's smart fun, it's intelligent fun that he's going for. And it's such a good way to live because he's always going for things that he's truly passionate about. Imagine getting out of bed and knowing what I'm doing right now is changing the world. I mean, for you, it doesn't need to be changing the world. It doesn't need to be something that massive of a scale. Everyone has their different ambitions and you should focus your ambitions to what suits you and what you love. It could be just something really small, but it makes you happy and that's what matters. But for me, it's just a fascinating thought. I would get out of bed really early and for me, getting out of bed is not easy. <laughs> if I knew I was really changing the damn world, man. Hopefully for the better. And that's how we should approach things that we, we think about. We shouldn't think that there's a limit to, to thought, right? This is what makes thought so interesting because we can always go deeper and deeper and deeper in ourselves and almost everything around us. And it's so fascinating to keep going deeper, right? You'll find newer and newer insights. And you just keep asking questions and you'll learn. You'll keep learning. Learning is such a beautiful thing. To be doing what we really enjoy, spending our lives doing what we really enjoy, to be ourselves fully, and to grow into ourselves, you know? Ram Das actually said, and it's a funny thought experiment, think about it, if we go into a forest and we walk between all these trees, we don't really judge the trees, right? You know, some trees are bent, some trees are some trees are bent, some trees are crooked, some trees are dying. But you don't blame the tree. You know, some trees didn't get enough water, some didn't get enough light, the soil wasn't good enough, the seed itself was inherently not good. And then when we walk among humans, when we walk among our brothers and sisters, all we can do is judge and blame. Right? And look at them and think about how they could be better or how they shouldn't have done this or shouldn't have done that or shouldn't be this way or shouldn't be that. It's all about growth and it's not always easy. It's not always easy, but like I said, nothing worth having in this life is easy to get. And if you're willing to sacrifice a bit of instant pleasure right now to be a bit happier later on, then uh, I think that's worth it. I personally think that's worth it. And that's how we should all approach things in, in life, you know. Instant gratification is, is, you know, it's satisfying, but it's definitely not fulfilling. And they did that experiment. They actually got children and they put them in a room and they told them, okay, there's a cookie in front of you. I'm going to leave for 15 minutes, and if you don't eat this cookie in the 15 minutes, I'm going to give you two cookies. And they left, and some kids ate the cookies, and some kids, you know, they were too fidgety, they were walking around the cookie, looking at it, fidgeting. Some children were really cool about it, and they're like, I, I can wait this out, you know, and some children ate it, and others actually waited and got two cookies. And then they looked at these children, you know, 30, 40 years down the line and how they, how their lives turned out. And they realized there's such a massive difference between how, how, how well off the children who are able to wait are and how 
worse off the children who weren't able to wait were. So it's just that, you know, we have a concept of a future and you have, uh, if you're a student like me and you, you look at yourself right now, it's you, you look at your time, your time is worth a lot. You have to think to yourself what your time costs to you, right? But you don't get paid for it right now, you get paid for it down the line, right? You're studying your degree, you're spending four or five years to study, you're not getting paid so that somewhere down the line you could actually make money. So when I read a book, it's not as if I'm sure I'm enjoying the book, but it's me actually investing my time that is actually worth a lot into hopefully some point in the future where I can use this information I've gathered. But we look at students right now, we look at everyone, and not even students, you know, older people, everyone just wants to somewhat escape the reality that they're in because it doesn't actually correspond with the reality that they think that they should be living. And they just escaped anything like any drug, any alcohol, caffeine, weed, cocaine, heroin, even even just uh, sitting down in a with with your friends and talking or watching TV, you're just trying to escape any type of reality that you're in to go into another one so you wouldn't face what's actually this deep, dark, scared part of you inside because you're not living on your terms and you don't want to accept it. And that's that's really sad if that's the case, you know, and you should accept it. It's, it's not, I'm not trying to, if it is the case with any of you, it's not as if I'm personally attacking any one of you. It's not as if I'm trying to insult anyone. And you shouldn't feel insulted by almost anything. You shouldn't take anything personally. But just to be truthful and honest with yourself, and this is what I've always, always tried to do, to try to be, like I said, I psychoanalyze everything. I have to, and mainly myself, I try to understand why it is that I came to the thoughts that I've come to. Why is it that I believe that this thing is this certain way? Why did I think that at that moment? Why did I act that way at that moment? And I actually try to give myself the true answer because let's say I did something stupid and someone reacted badly for it. Or maybe it's what I did didn't necessarily need to have been inherently stupid. It's just that someone reacted negatively to it. Then, usually, how people would go about thinking about this, they'd go back and look at what they did, and they try to justify their own action by reframing how they thought about it, by changing what they thought they thought about it, right? You create a narrative and story about it. And that's not right. You should actually forget the outcome because your actions... You know, the outcome isn't usually in your hands. You can just do your best in that situation. And maybe what you did wasn't your best, whatever. But actually be honest with yourself for why you did what you did or why you thought what you thought or your intentions. Or Intention is so important to actually have good intentions and then a bad result comes out of it. Even though your intentions were really good, uh, it's not on you, man. But but we don't take intention into account a lot of the times. And everything is down to intention. And what's your intention? Do you want to be inherently good? Do you want to be inherently bad? You know, it's just, I don't think any of us want to believe that we're inherently bad. And this is why we tend to lie to ourselves for why we do what we do. Or we rationalize it somehow. And we're very good at that, you know. We're very good at rationalizing things that actually can't be rationalized. And I've seen that in so many people in my life where I try to put my myself in their shoes and I try to I try to put myself in their shoes and I try to understand why they thought what they thought but then I realize you know nope <laughs> and like I can I can see the circumstances that might have created this type of emotion in you but really like 
you rationalizing these things for yourself, it's not something I can really get behind. I can't rationalize it through... I, we're very good at rationalizing things that shouldn't be rationalizing, even even if it was something bad for us, you know? Even if it was, even if we were about to quit smoking and there was this cigarette in front of us and we wanted to smoke it, a part of our brains, maybe not the part that we like to identify with, the part that we think is the best part of us, that we would like to believe that we are, another part comes up and just starts actually convincing you with arguments that smoking the cigarette is not that bad, it's actually good. Or, you know, it would help you if you smoke this right now, then it would help you quit at another point in time because you got it out of your system for now. And then rinse and repeat that argument until you never quit smoking and there you have it. Uh, so we tend to rationalize a lot of negative things or things that aren't good for us in our lives. But, you know, who, who are we to know if something would be good for us or not? It's not an easy decision to, to go through. It's not an easy thing to understand. And we do that for everything, even the jobs that we love or the jobs that we hate. We rationalize why we're still in those jobs or why we're still doing something that we don't inherently love, right? And that's something you need to be honest. That's something you need to be honest with yourself about, no one else, because no one knows what you want. Just like how I knew I wanted to be a scientist, you know, and I'm so interested in knowledge and information and science. I listened to my group Dynamic and I, I joined the norm and conform to what everyone else was going for. And I was fucking what? I was like six at the time, maybe less. We're always doing that. But sure, sure, we try to approve of what we think we are deep inside of us by listening or talking to other people around us. But that's not the right way to go. It's just about truly sitting with yourself without any distraction and actually... Breathe. Listen. Listen to what you're dying to tell yourself. And maybe then hopefully do what you've always been meant to do. What you've always been dying to do. Yeah, and to really do that, you need to learn. You know, I'll, I will, I promise, I'll get into how learning is done, how people should approach thought and learning. It's so important, man, to build this foundation right to who we think we are, who we know we could be, what things ought to be, not what they are, because it, sure it's worked in the past, doesn't mean that it's working well, doesn't mean that we're happy. You know, if everyone was actually doing what they love, retail, no one would work in a retail store. No one would work in a supermarket. You know, some okay, it's necessary for a lot of people, but I mean, all of these companies making so much money off of just labor, they would die out because riches are just being amassed by a select few and money keeps on going in that direction. And I think society has had a lot of trouble with trying to distribute wealth between different, let's say, classes of society. And it never, no system actually got that down right, you know, because almost 20% of, 80% of all money in this world and resources is owned by 20% of the people. And 1% of the people, of the population, owns at least 50% of the resources. And that's insane. Imagine if we didn't just work to, to buy new gadgets and try to 
to follow the norm and trend of what everyone else is doing because they think we try to follow norms and social trends because if it's if a lot of people have approved it and they like it then it must generally be good this is why if we see a YouTube video and we think it has like 2,000 views and then there's a YouTube video about the same exact topic with 2 million views, we'd watch the one with 2 million views because it's socially approved, it's recognized, it's, it's inherently credible. And yeah, that's how it is with a lot of things, you know. Even, even jokes, man. Even if we're sitting in a group and someone tells a bad joke, but like maybe two people out of the five laugh, you might find yourself laughing too, because if they found it funny, then it must be funny. Even Facebook posts, man. If you saw a post and you didn't really know what to think about it, unless until you saw the likes and you're like, okay, this has a lot of likes, then okay, I'll then I can I know what I can think about it, just like how everyone else thought about it. But if it doesn't have a lot of likes, you probably wouldn't support it or think about it at all, and you just go to the next post. So following social norms is, is really inherent to all of us, and it's a survival mechanism necessary. And to let go of that, to actually be ourselves, each and every one of us, our best selves, but also to remain within that society, that's a balance that we need to sometime, at some point, achieve. That's a balance that I'm always trying to go for. And it's actually something we all find really difficult to do, to actually stand up and voice what we know to inherently be wrong, to voice those things out. Because we put ourselves at risk at the end of the day, and that's not something we're biologically tuned to do, to stand up and tell the system that we're living in that something's wrong. And that's something I think we all feel, something I'm sure we all know. But none of us are okay with voicing it for for whatever reason, be it fear, be it not even being absolutely aware of it. It's something that's there, but we can't grasp it technically. We're not we're not living like we should be. We're not living as we ought to. But yeah, I drifted a bit off point, I'm trying to introduce who I am to everyone. My name is Khaled Yassin, and I'm originally Palestinian from Jerusalem. So both my parents and all of my family is Palestinian. But I was born in Saudi Arabia in Riyadh, the capital city. And then I, when I was two, we moved to Dubai. I grew up in Dubai until I was nine or ten. And then I grew up in Jordan until I was 19. And when I was 18, I entered the German Jordanian University where I was studying chemistry with the hope I can make drugs one day. Ah, right. We had to do four years at this university. It was almost a six-year degree, and you had to do summer courses too. You, like, you barely ever get breaks for six years, man. And studying under those types of professors and taking a three-hour commute every day, God... Uh, study there for four years and then you get to go to Germany for one year where you do an um, where you do an internship in Germany and you do a semester in Germany so I thought to myself do I continue on this course doing something I really don't love to I love chemistry inherently but the process of doing it wasn't something I liked or I could go to Germany right now for four years be done with my degree before anyone in my course right now is even done with their degree and I'd have lived in Germany 
with a much better atmosphere, society, and people, at least to my standards, where I feel like I fit in a lot more. And actually get that experience properly, four years of me living by myself in a foreign land where... And I actually got to do a semester abroad in Madrid back in January 2018, where it was also an incredible experience where I met fantastic people and had wonderful memories, memories I'll cherish till the day I'll die. And yeah, I'll be 80 and I'll look back and think, yeah, I did that. I got to live on my own. I got to break expectations of what I thought societies were. Because I lived in Jordan for so long, I thought that was the norm. And then you realize there is no norm and just everyone everywhere is so different and everyone's just doing their best and people are people no matter what you think. Like yesterday, um, I'm not inherently Muslim, I'll admit that, but my upbringing was Muslim. So yesterday at like two in the morning before all that shit happened and my stomach hurt, I was going to a friend's birthday party and I was walking at like two at, two at night and getting out of the train station. And I saw this old woman holding a crane. So like she could barely walk, man. And like she, she looked tired, man, really. And she was holding so many bags. So I actually stopped and I looked at her and I'm like, do you need help? And she looked at me and she was fucking confused because no one would ask for her. No one would ask her that or no one has ever asked her that. Uh, probably ever, especially at two in the morning. And she was like, yes, please help me, man. Like, this is heavy, take it. And I took it and I walked her to the station. And she like, she wasn't the most pleasant person to talk to. I have to admit, you know, she was uh, a bit negative. Uh, she started telling me about how everything is horrible and how uh, Germany needs reformation, even though like uh, Germany is doing it a lot better than a lot of other countries. So at this point in time you know but in her opinion she thinks things need to be reformed and then she started telling me about how she's catholic and how everyone should be catholic and how everything should be more the way that she thinks things should be and i look at her and just out of uh, interest or fun i tell her by the way i'm muslim and I, i see this look of shock in her eyes even though i'm inherently not but that was my upbringing Uh, I see the look of shock in her eyes and she didn't know what to say because sure she might have these negative uh, emotions or feelings towards the certain ideology or groups of people but to have been that type of person and to still in her weakest one of her weaker moments offer her help and actually help her I could see she was conflicted right Uh, which is funny man honestly Uh, I don't know where I was going with this point. And, you know, I definitely didn't judge her for how she saw things or how she was acting, you know. She's just just like a tree, watered or grown into this. And I can't really judge or blame her for being this way. But at the end of the day, we're all inherently people just being, you know. We have our wants. We think we know what we want. We don't give it that much thought. We think... We try to compare what we want to what other people want. Just like I said, we think about things in reference points. And through that, we try to compare everything, especially our lives with others, even though we we might be much happier than how other people are only projecting how they live, right? Anyone can show the perfect sides to their lives, but behind that facade, there's so much else that goes on that no one knows. And everyone's in pain in one way or another. And we just... uh, 
to be lonely is, is not it's not the right way to go we're in this together but we should try to do what we love if that involves helping others fantastic if it just involves helping you maybe that's not the best way to go but hey man I'm not I'm not one to judge either as long as you don't hurt anybody um, just be happy man so yeah, right now I've been in Germany for about three years and it's been... I grew so much more than I thought I ever could. Like if I compare, if I stayed in Jordan for those four years and the growth I've seen just by staying here for four years, breaking all expectations and ideas of what this world is and how everything works... I had such a different idea of what Germany would be, for example, before I came. I grew up in the Middle East, man. I grew up with Arabic, Arab society. And here everyone's very different. And then I got to travel around in Europe too and see how everyone is also very different everywhere in Europe. Huh. I'm grateful for it, definitely. So grateful for every second I got to spend here. It's been a gift. Yeah, I guess uh, I got these basic things out of the way. I'm doing, ah, right. This episode's got a lot longer than I wanted it to be, but I'm doing my degree in business here in uh, here in Germany, in Hamburg. International business management at the moment. And I think I got into that at the end of the day because I am genuinely interested in almost everything in this world. You know, there's not one specific sure... Light burns, the sun rays burn bright when brought to a single point. But I am genuinely interested in everything. And I thought if I really wanted to get into everything, I thought business was the way to go. And it's not to find a job and it's not uh, that. It's about actually creating something and being able to give it out to the masses, right? Even with this podcast, I have to approach it with a business mindset. How am I going to market it? How am I going to present myself to you guys? How am I going to improve it? And what things do I want to add down the line? How am I going to brand it? What type of guests do I want to come here? And how do I present these guests? And uh, business is uh, (laughs) a good way to think because if you think about authors in, in general, there's so many brilliant authors out there that couldn't sell a single book. And that's in the term itself. It's best-selling author. It's not best-writing author, sadly. And at least at least that's my argument for why I went into business. If anything, I got to live in Europe and I got to experience so much and just grow personally to get to use this time where society accepts that I don't actually have a job and just let me learn and be, to grow into who I think I need to grow into and be who I think I need to be. And luckily I had that time and space to think it through and be that. And not a lot of people get to be that, understand that. Maybe you're one of those people, maybe maybe you're not, but everyone has, has a trough in one way or another and we have to be loving, accepting and welcoming. Life is too miserable to go through it alone. So that's uh, that's me. <laughs> that's Khalid Yassin, born June 12, 1996, Gemini. <laughs> yeah. Till next time. Take care.